Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, Hal Elrod, and you are in for a treat. You're about to hear from the one and only Mary Morrissey. Now, if you're not familiar with Mary, she has been at this work for over four decades. That's right, for 40 plus years, she's helped people from all around the world, from all walks of life and of all ages to clarify their dreams and bring them to life. So whether you feel stuck and overwhelmed with no idea where to begin in making things better, or if you know exactly what you want to do, but you just need help bringing a specific dream to life, with Mary's help, you can learn how to harness the incredible power that lies within you and radically change your life for the better in far less time and with far less effort than you might believe is possible right now. Mary holds a master's degree in counseling psychology and an honorary doctorate in humane letters. She's spoken three times at the United Nations, facilitated three week-long meetings with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and other world leaders, and met with Nelson Mandela in Cape Town, South Africa, to address the most significant issues our world is facing. She's also the author of two best-selling books, No Less Than Greatness and Building Your Field of Dreams, which became a PBS special. She's toured with Wayne Dyer and Marianne Williamson and Jack Canfield and Michael Beckwith. The list just goes on and on. She is a wealth of wisdom and experience. And it was such a, just an honor to have a conversation with Mary. And I think you're going to love the time that I spent with her and what she shared. Before we dive into that conversation, I want to take a couple of minutes to thank our two sponsors who bring the show to you every week. First and foremost is Organifi. Last couple of weeks, I talked to you about their classic green juice, which is what started the company. Today, I want to talk about their red juice. I literally just had a shot of this red juice about 30 minutes ago. And it is designed to recharge your mind and body with a delicious superfood berry blend of premium organic nutrients that contain potent adaptogens, antioxidants, and a clinical dose of cordyceps mushrooms to increase your energy and boost nitric oxide levels with zero caffeine and only two grams of sugar. And I can tell you, you might be able to tell from my energy, this stuff works. When that 2.30 feeling rolls around, just drop a scoop in some cold water, stir with a spoon, and enjoy the antioxidant energy-enhancing benefits. It's healthier than coffee with no crash. If you're interested in checking out the green juice or the red juice or any of the other products, head over to Organifi.com forward slash Hal. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Hal. And then use the discount code H-A-L at checkout for 20% off your entire order. It's a benefit of being a listener of the podcast. And then last but not least, our newest sponsor, Cured Nutrition, which I combine every day with Organifi. There are three products from Cured Nutrition that I absolutely love. They also make organic whole food supplements, so it meets that standard that I adhere to. And in the morning, I take their Rise, which is a nootropic that will help with your focus and clarity. I take it every single day. And then after my smoothie, I take their Aura, which helps with gut health and immunity. And then before bed, maybe my favorite, it's a tie with Rise, 
are their nightcaps, which are a combination of CBD and CBN oil. I sleep like a baby. I fall asleep within about 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. I sleep seven hours a night and I wake up feeling refreshed thanks to nightcaps and of course, eating a healthy diet. But for nightcaps or Aura, any of those products, head over to Cured, C-U-R-E-D, curednutrition.com forward slash Hal and use that same discount code H-A-L at checkout for 20% off your order as a listener of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. That's my one-two punch. Organifi and Cured Nutrition help round out my supplement regimen each and every single day. All right, without further ado, it is truly my pleasure to introduce you to the one and only Mary Morrissey to talk about how you can create everything that you want with your thoughts, how to think your way to success. Here we go. Mary Morrissey, it is so good to be with you today. I'm happy to be here, Hal. Well, I don't know if this will make you blush or you hear it all the time and you'll just go, of course. But I told my wife this morning, she goes, hey, who are you interviewing today? I said, I'm interviewing a literal living legend. I said, Mary Morrissey. And you know, she, who's that, right? She's not in this world so much. But I said, she's been in personal development for fo- over four decades. I said, she shared the stage with Jack Canfield and Marianne Williamson. And she's worked with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and sat with Nelson Mandela and gone on tour Michael Beckwith. I mean, it's so interesting. This is, you know, this is a field that I am in now, right, of helping people improve their lives and be more successful and so on and so forth. You've been doing it for four decades. Let me ask you, first question, have you seen anything change? And before you answer, here's what I mean. Our society is conditioned to value new, new, cutting edge, never seen it before. And I think a big mistake that we make now because of that is we dismiss what actually works, what's worked for decades or centuries. And you go, well, if I've heard of it before and I haven't changed my life with it yet, it must not be the thing. I need the new app. I need the new virtual course. I need something. So having been in this industry for four decades plus, I'm wondering your take on that. I mean, what works? Is that still what works? Or are there new things that are being discovered in the last few years and we should be finding out the new stuff? Like, What's your take on that having been in the industry so long? Oh, great question. Here's what I know for sure. Universal laws about how how these are immutable, they don't change. The only thing that changes is our awareness of them and how to how to bring them into our life. So the delivery of this information has changed dramatically, of course, over yeah. time with new technologies. The second is the general awareness of possibilities and the way to have them in our lives and how to transform results that are not what we want into results that we want. That system of transformation, none of us invented. Mm -hmm. All of us in personal development had different ways of describing that and bringing that to clients and our audiences. What I know for sure is the universal laws don't change our awareness of how to uh, apply them. And one thing for sure, when I first got into this, Nobody knew that I knew, nobody in my sphere knew that thoughts impacted your health. Ah. Thoughts impacted your results. That was voodoo. Yeah. I went looking, someone recommended to me after my health, a very life threatening health situation I went through. And I know your story, how amazing. A book called As a Man Thinketh. Yeah. By James, James Allen. Allen? 
Yeah, James yeah. Allen. It was available the only place in Portland, Oregon, where I lived. It was in an occult bookstore, up a tall building down a dark hallway. Okay. When I went in and asked for this book, he said it's under the category called witchcraft. No way. Yes, way. <laughs> wow. There weren't mind-body clinics at Harvard and, and UCLA and Stanford and our world of understanding that we we are a whole system. Yeah. We have a spiritual side to our nature as well as a human side to our nature. Can you so, talk about that for a second, right? I, it was uh, You dropped a bomb there or a, a, just a knowledge that I think we I want to unpack a little bit. Thoughts impact our health. Can you expand on that from your perspective? Yeah. Well, the best way to do that is to describe and share with you my personal story. And why I particularly felt resonance with you is you had some dramatic things happen in your life yeah. that helped you recognize that you were more than those things. Yeah. You had in you a power that was greater than the circumstances you were facing and how to align with that and produce results that were not predictive by normal medical bright people. Quote unquote experts, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so talk about that. Your story. I know your transformation started, I believe, in senior year of high school, as I, I understand it. Would you be willing to yeah, share what happened? I was a junior in high school and okay. I had a high school experience like most young girls dream about. I was class vice president. I had a lead in the junior play. I was on the drill team, the dance team at all the games. And I was uh, vice president of my class and I was homecoming princess that year. All of that. That's my life. Wow. Okay. My high school boyfriend had gone off to college. We'd been dating four years. He came home on spring break and I got pregnant. Oh, wow. May, May 1, I tell my mom and dad I'm now pregnant. My mother wept for me as if I had died. Wow. In her mind, all her dreams for me were dying. Yeah. We had a hasty 10-person wedding. And two weeks later, the principal of the high school called me to his office and said, are these rumors I'm hearing about you true? And I said, if the rumors are that I am pregnant and married in that order, then yes, they're true. Mm. And he said, well, you have great honors. He just put his head in his hand. You have great honors. You have terrific grades. But you will not be allowed to return here for your senior year. It would be totally inappropriate for a pregnant girl to get mixed in with the normal girls. Wow. You want to get a high school diploma, which I did because my dream had always been to be a teacher. Yeah. And I, he said, if you want to get a high school diploma, there's a place for people like you. It's across the river. It was held not during the daylight. It's after dark at it's a regular high school during the day, and then it becomes a high school in the evening for pregnant girls and delinquent boys. Okay. So the next fall, I drove my car to a part of Portland my parents hadn't let me drive in, park my car, and I'm going up to this building, and I'm going, okay, every girl here is either pregnant or has a baby. Every guy is a delinquent. This is my new student body. Wow. And my best girlfriends that I'd had since fourth grade, there were four of us who hung out all the time. Those three mothers got their girls together, and the three mothers decided their girls could not see me anymore. Mm. So I lost my school, my best friends, and now I'm in this group of people of delinquents and pregnant girls. Yeah. And my son is born in December of 1966. I graduate in May of 1967. And in July of 1967, I'm in an intensive care ward in a Portland hospital, having been diagnosed with fatal kidney disease. Mm. Now, this is 1967, no dialysis, no transplants, and it is a death sentence, according to medical science. So they've done everything they can do. And then they say, well, if we, you know, we're so sorry, but if we can get 
the top blood toxin level in your body reduced enough so you can sustain a surgery to remove the right kidney, maybe you'll have six months to live. I have a seven-month-old son who's now, his dad and my son are living with my parents, so my mother can help while my husband is working, and I'm terrified. And in the God of my upbringing was not a friendly place to go when you felt like you had screwed up. And for sure, mm. I screwed up. I got kicked out. My best friends can't see me. I must be a bad person. Yeah. And so I'm being punished. So I'm gonna I'm gonna die. That was the model. Yeah. Sure. For. And so uh, finally, my blood has gotten to the point where they can say they say I can sustain a surgery and scheduled for the morning. A woman walks in my room the night before about 10 o'clock. And she said, identified herself as a visiting chaplain who offered prayer for people who are having, she said, I get, I come three or four times a week. I get a list of the surgeries that are happening in the most serious order. Your name is at the top of the list. Would you like someone to pray with you? And I'm scared. And so I said, okay. And she pulls her chair next to my bed and doesn't do anything that I've ever thought of as prayer. She talked to me. She said, would you be willing to tell me what's been going on in your life the last year or two? So I told her my story, at the end of which she looked at me and compassionately, she said, Mary, everything's created twice. And I, you know, today I would say I had no landing page for that. I go, what are you talking about? She says, you actually know this. In fact, everybody knows it. Almost nobody knows the power of knowing this. Mm. Then she said, the bed you're laying on, the nightgown you're wearing, the sheet covering you, the walls, the ceiling, the floors, and all the machinery you're hooked up to, first, it had to be a thought before it could ever be a thing. Mm. And then she said, I hear how much you love your little boy, but I hear how much you've been hating yourself. Mm. You feel like you shamed your school, you shamed your family, you shamed yourself. You're a bad person because you can't be around people that you used to be around because you've done this thing. And she said, so now that you're considering how everything is created twice, could you consider the possibility that there could be a correlation between all that toxic self-loathing and the toxicity that's rampaging your body and threatening your very life? Mm. Nobody I knew thought this way, and there were no mind-body clinics, and this was just like, what? Yeah. And she said, and if you could live, what would you do with your life? What would you do? And I knew immediately I would raise my little boy, and I would become a teacher. Mm. She started this way. She says, could you, you think about infinite potential, infinite possibilities in this universe? Could there be a possibility that we would say words and in the morning when you were going to be taken to surgery, the doctors looked at you and said, wow, you look better. We better test you. They would test you and say, we find no evidence of disease. You can get up and go home. Could you mm. believe that's possible? And I told her the truth. No, there no, was of course one, not. <laughs> one part of me that was going to. Yeah. She said, all right, if you can't believe that, could you believe this, that we could say words, say a prayer, an affirmation. Uh, first time I'd heard that word, affirmation yeah. and a visualization. And imagine going through your entire body and scooping up everything that is toxic and placing it in the one kidney that's going to get removed. And when it gets removed, instead of getting worse, you just start to get better and you get better. Could you believe that's possible? And this was the first time in my life, Hal, that I it wasn't conscious, but it is what I did. It's like I didn't really believe it, but I could tell she did. Mm. 
And I decided to believe in her belief, like, well, she believes it's possible. Yep. Well, I don't know if it's probable, but maybe it's possible. And then she said, that's all we need. One corner of your mind open to the possibility. Now, this is before Sheldrake and David Bohm on universe on unified field theory, before out of Stanford, Michael Talbot wrote Holographic Universe. There was not the physics to back this up. This is mm-hmm. 1967. She said, that's all we need. One corner of your mind open to the possibility. And what we know for sure now is if there's one one place of possibility that you can generate from, it changes the entire frequency, uh, which dictates the results we're having or not having, the frequency we're operating from. Mm-hmm. She said, so here's what I want you to do. You know, when you come back from that surgery tomorrow, you're going to have some pain. Your mind's going to get busy with the pain. As that ebbs, your mind is going to want to go down those well-worn thought roads paths that you've been on. So the moment you notice yourself thinking a self-loathing thought, I want you to interrupt that and just say, nope, that left with the kidney. And then immediately, Mary, imagine you've got this little boy's hand in yours. He's five years old and you're walking up some steps into a school and there's a kindergarten teacher and you give him a big hug and it's your little boy and he's going into kindergarten and you hear the click, click, click of your heels. You go around the corner and there's your first classroom. Then fast forward, and you're in a big auditorium or stadium, and you're looking down, and there's a stage, and there's all these caps and gowns, and you hear your son's name called. And he comes across the stage and gets his diploma and and switches his tassel and holds it up, and you're cheering, and you're thinking how proud you are of him and how grateful you are for the moments that you have shared to help him meet this moment of success. And then fast forward and you're sitting in the front row of a wedding and your son is marrying the love of his life and you're the mother of the groom and your teaching career is flourishing. So it was the beginning of the teaching career with my son at five. It was the graduation and my teaching career is growing. And then it was in the wedding. My teaching career is flourishing as my son hits that life. Milestone. Milestone. Yeah. And she said, just keep doing that. Now, today, I would say I was a unconscious competent. I must have done that. Mm. I knew I just felt a little better when I was thinking that. No, I'm so sick. I can't lift my head off the bed. And after about two weeks after the surgery, the doctor said, well, you're we don't know how long this will last or if it's lasting, but you your numbers are not increasing at the way we expect them to you know, be downgrading. So if you want to go home for a week or two, three before you have to come back and have time with your family, I, we, we would approve that. I went home in an ambulance and I'm continuing to do this. And my numbers, I had to go three times a week to the urologist just to be checked, but my numbers leveled out and then they just started improving and improving. And about five to six months after that surgery, I'm sitting in the conference room at the hospital with all the specialists and they're all scratching their heads and they say, we have no science for what's happening with you. And the surgeon said, listen, I saw that second kidney. We removed the one. I saw the other one. It was all park marked and shriveled. Mm. And yet now it's functioning as a fully whole kidney. We have no, we don't know if this is going to last or even if it's going to last, but uh, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Until several years later, when I was in my undergraduate work and I got very interested in transformation about how people brought transformation to their life, a series of things occurred, including meeting Ram Das when he had just come back from India, uh, who was a former 
you know, college professor who had discovered the idea of that what, what's going on inside of us has a direct correlation to what's going on outside of us. And people want to transform what's going on outside of them by moving parts. Mm-hmm. It's a very long, slow way to bring transformation. In the same way, you've got a program on your TV. If you have cable or streaming, for God's sake, you have access to all this different programming. But if you don't know how to use the remote control and change the frequency, you can get stuck on CNN. Mm. And all you have is constantly negative news in your life. Yeah. The thought patterns that we're thinking from create a trend, create a vibration that we begin to operate on. And it will, it's absolutely dictative of and predictive of the results we're going to have. So we want to change the results. We got to change what's going on inside of us. And clearly, that's what you've done in your life and your morning practice and all of this has brought this about for you. Yeah. No, I so resonate with what you're saying. I mean, in my experience, when the doctor said I would never walk again, I was, I said, I accept that as a possibility, but I'm not going to put my energy into that possibility. I'm at peace with it, but all my energy is going to go into walking again. I thought about it every day. I visualized it. I prayed on it. I meditated on my body healing. So I resonate with that. And when I had cancer, it was the same thing. So I want to ask you, talk a little bit about the the specifics of like the thoughts that you had. I mean, was it basically following the chaplain that you talked about and just what she said? Just were you imagining your healing and, and your son getting married and, and so on and so forth? I wasn't visualizing a healing. I was visualizing walking him into kindergarten. Mm. It was the result. Mm. She she said, you hold the image, the hologram, she didn't use that term, Yeah, uh, the result, and you resonate with that result, it must and does change everything, including your biology. So here's how I explain that in layman's terms. I am no scientist. In layman's terms, I always say, look, we have trillions of cells and they do what we tell them to through thoughts and feelings, Right. If someone's diagnosed with cancer and said you don't have your the odds are you're not going to make it, and if they, that becomes their reality, their mental and emotional reality, then it becomes their physical reality. That mm-hmm. that's my layman's explanation, right? And then, or if they go, I have unwavering faith that I'm going to survive. I'm going to watch my son walk down the aisle, right? I, our body then goes, oh, okay, then that's what we're doing. It's time to heal so that your what you're thinking and your feeling and your seeing becomes a reality. You said, if I have unwavering faith, my experience is nobody has unwavering faith. Mm, I like that. More. It, it's a more or less game. It's mm. where is the trend of your energy, yeah. thinking, feeling. It has to be more on the healing than of the fear of or the preparation that I would I would do if I really thought something might, how would I protect my children, my yeah. family? So, but it's more. Yeah. What's what, where we're putting the emphasis of thought and feelings is really the directive. I love that because the unwavering faith can sound like a perfect, unreachable, impeccable standard. So I, I, I like that you're breaking that down. I interviewed a couple of years ago Dr. Bernie Siegel, who wrote Love, Medicine, and Miracles, and he said that that was the one thing that all of you know over three thousand cancer patients that he's treated. The one thing that all of the survivors had in common was. Their mindset was, I'm going to beat this. And he said he saw people die from much less severe cancers than some that survived where they should have been able to beat it no problem. 
but they gave up mentally and emotionally and their thoughts were thoughts of fear. For me to make it tangible, I just when I had cancer, I wrote an affirmation that, you know, it was basically my statement of unwavering faith, which is I will beat cancer and live to be 100 plus years old alongside Ursula and the kids no matter what there is no other option. And whenever I felt fear or doubt in my ability to beat this thing. And, you know, for example, when I learned about Wayne Dyer's battle with leukemia, which he lost, he passed away. I thought, well, shoot, I aspire to be as evolved as Wayne Dyer. And if he didn't beat leukemia, what if I don't beat it? So I had those fear thoughts, but I never entertained them. I never went down that fear rabbit hole or dwelled. As soon as I went, okay, I'm feeling fear. It's not serving me. I pulled out that affirmation. And I read it with such conviction and such emotion and such energy that it became my reality. My, there, there was no room for fear because it was, no, 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 no. I'm going to beat cancer no matter what. There is no other option. You asked me, yeah. luminaries, that Wayne Dyer and I became friend in the, friends in the 80s. And we were uh, friends and did many, many programs together all the way to the end. Mm. But on his behalf, he felt complete. That's what I thought. Yeah. He felt complete. You know, that it's, at some point, we're all going to find a way out. Yeah. It's not a matter of if. And so yours is predictive of being over 100 with your yeah. wife, your kids, and a long, healthy, wonderful life. Well, and I did struggle with, I was conflicted as well, because if I didn't have kids, I feel very complete. I have no fear of death, so I'm ready to go. So that was a real struggle inside, which is like, I'm actually ready to go. But I'm not ready to leave my kids without a dad, <laughs> you know. So huh. I, I need to decide one or the other. Either I'm going to drift purpose. away, or I'm going to fight this, and I'm going to stay here for my children. And you know, thankfully, I, I chose the latter. The power of what you said is that same pattern of aligning with the possibility, being bold to claim it as your reality, can be used for anything. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, for your health. And the business you want to build, the impact you want to bring, the charities you want to give to, I mean, that, that we are in conscious and many times unconscious ways making agreements with possibilities all the time, some of which are empowering and yeah. some of which are disempowering. So, Mary, what do you say to somebody? So I'm imagining if I'm listening to this, people, when we become very logical, you know, for example, if you look at statistics and you go, well, the odds are I'm not going to be able to succeed at the level that I want. Statistically, I'm not going to beat this. Like for me, my cancer survival rate was 20 to 30%. And so I decided there's a 100% chance that I'll be in the 20 to 30% that survive. So I tried to make, you know, I'm not listening to the doctor's statistics. I'm making my own statistics, if you will, within the context of what they're telling me. So my question is for someone listening right now that's going, how do I overcome you know, focusing on what the odds are that I'm going to stay married or be happy or be successful or whatever. I mean, how do we override if you, I don't know if that's the right term, but how do we override logic when logic is staring us in the face? Are. Understand what statistics are. Yeah. They only apply to groups. Mm. They never apply to an individual and the uh. individual is supreme. Mm. You made a decision to align with the possibility, vibrate with that possibility. Everything is vibration. It's the fundamental law of the universe, everything. Mm. And you're going to have the result that's exactly in harmony with the vibration you're most 
harmonious with, most in tune with. So you had emotion, you had a clear vision, and you kept resonating with it way more than the fear, way more than what doctors, you had to override the impact of the experts telling you another, you know, here's the odds. Okay, here's where I'm going to land inside that because I'm an individual. Mm. I get to, I have two things I'm responsible for, the thoughts I think and the actions I take. The thoughts I think generate the first creation of themselves, which is feeling. Mm. If I start to notice that I'm feeling anxious, you can absolutely be sure I've been thinking thoughts that have a fear base in them. Sure. So that's all energy. And the easiest way to shift what's going to be happening in the outside version or the results of our lives is to shift what's going on inside of us. I love... And, and, and where do you stand on written affirmations? Like to me, my memory, right? I'm so distracted. It changes every second. So affirmations are my favorite form of personal development because they are my well-articulated, edited as, you know, as time goes on. But they're in writing and I can, they're my anchor to the thoughts that I want to think. And I'm wondering if if you kind of subscribe to having those written affirmations to clarify your thinking. Exactly. and then... Even in the Christian Bible, it says, in the beginning is the Word. Mm. The Word is with God and the Word is God, meaning the vibration. Mm. And so the vibration that you're dictating with the words you're choosing, and like you said, they evolve as you become more aware. You're writing an outcome, and the value of writing it and not just thinking it is we have two sides to the brain. We have the, cre- the literal and we have the creative. So you use both. And there's a corpus callosum between those two hemispheres. The thoughts we think, the vibration of that gets amplified with the corpus callosum, goes into the fluid that surrounds the brain and goes up and down the spinal cord. That vibration translates to the entire body. Hence, self-loathing, I had toxicity, first in the thoughts and the emotion, but that went on for you know over a year, and my body has a breakdown in it. But remember, it doesn't just go to the body. That we're in this sea of energy, it translates right through our body and begins to move in the energetic field and draws unto it everything like itself. Got it. You said something I was listening to. I listened to a few interviews this morning preparing for our conversation uh, that you've done over the years. And in one of them, you said, infinite awareness is at the center of everything that you do. And I was wondering if you could expand on that. What does that mean? What does infinite awareness mean? And what does it mean at being at the center of everything you do? I probably said infinite intelligence. Ah, you may have. <laughs> yeah. So that's there's a different. Mm. So there, there's an infinite intelligence and it is absolute we have different levels of awareness of Mm. how it operates in and through us so in essence you can't think this thought and have this result there's a infinite intelligence is that like equals like so if i'm feeling bad about myself i'm going to create less results the kind of results that people who feel bad about themselves can have Mm. Versus shifting the pattern of my thinking and being to be in harmony with an outcome. Why you write affirmations? I'm the guy who's having this outcome, regardless of what it looks like right now, regardless of the diagnosis, regardless of even how long it's been there, that kind of result in your life. And you start to feel like it's powerful because it's been there 
So years I've struggled having a relationship or years I've, you know, I've seen people transform years, decades of lupus and different things when they change the inner pattern, because where did it all come from? It's a result of a relationship with our thinking, our feeling, and what we actually believe is possible. So somehow, Hal, you either stumbled onto, or I didn't hear in my reading about you, that you studied this as much as you had almost natural knowing of first with the car accident, and then you've had these three major moments in your life that actually have set you up to be the guy you are now and the good that you can bring. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. 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 No, thank you. It is. And I, that's why I take credit for very little because I also believe in infinite intelligence. And if somebody goes, you know, wow, that's brilliant. That thing you said or did or wrote, I go, I don't know where that came from. I I don't get credit for it. Right. I was just sitting there one day meditating and this idea entered my mind that I had never thought, never read, never heard of. And, I'm sharing it with you, but I'll take the credit for sharing it, but I don't get the credit for thanking it. One time, uh, Wayne Dyer, Les Brown and I, who we all got to know each other in the 80s, we became very good friends, uh, were having a conversation. And what came up was, don't you at times when you're teaching just feel like you want to take notes too? Yeah, Yeah, totally. Totally. That's so funny. (laughs) I do that a lot during my speeches. I'm on stage and I, before I speak, uh, I'm always a little nervous because my memory is real bad. I don't know what I'm going to say oftentimes. And I just close my eyes, put my hands together, and I go, God, give me the message that the people in front of me need in this moment. I have faith that it's coming. I don't know what it's going to be. So I'll be a lot of times, I'll say something that I've never said, and I'll go, can somebody go to my website and send me that if you took notes on it? Like, that was brilliant. I, not from me. I don't know where it came from, but that was brilliant. So I, that's so funny it. you say You're that. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I really believe in Napoleon Hill talked about that, tapping into this infinite intelligence where right. there are every idea, every thought, it's all just in this field that every we have answer. access to. Every answer. Yeah. You're dealing with the infinite. So you can't ask a question for which there isn't an answer. Mm. Your ability to discern and allow mm. it is another matter, but it's there. And how do you fine tune that ability? The best way I've learned is through study that mm. you, so coming and listening to your podcast, we give people insight, ideas, things they can practice. So you stay interested in growing your awareness. Yeah. And many people get to a certain point of awareness, and that's just how they live the rest of their lives. Yeah. Buffeted by yeah. circumstances, situations, and conditions, rather than choosing new ones and designing a pattern that brings them about, you know? Yeah. I wanted to ask you, I was listening to your Genius Network uh, talk this morning, And it was, I believe it was titled, What Highly Successful People Do When Bad Things Happen. I think that is... What a beautiful title of a message. And I think that anyone listening right now that is going through what they would consider to be bad things, right? Life is difficult. And the last few years have been pretty chaotic for all of us. I heard another interview you talked about this, the collective... You said there's collective... Or what did you say? There's not just atmosphere, but... Atmosphere. Thoughtmosphere, right? That, and that's been so true that collectively over the last few years, we all feel it, right? It's like maybe more than ever in history, where it's this collective consciousness that we're all experiencing that's kind of stressful and kind of fearful and kind of uncertain, and right? But so, yeah, I want to ask you just if you could talk on that. What do highly successful people do when bad things happen? Well, first of all, there's things you can change and things you can't change. 
Mm. When something happens that you think is bad, the first step in that is going, okay, it's here. I can't change that. So you accept it as a either a fact or reality that this has happened. The business is down 20% or whatever it is. The diagnosis... My spouse left me. Whatever. Whatever it is, this has happened. So I only have... The only thing I can control my thoughts and my actions. So what am I going to think about this? Get curious about what possible good there could be in this Mm. so that you can harvest the good. There's always good. Napoleon Hill spoke about this. He said, in every adversity, in every heartbreak, there is a seed of equal or greater benefit. And people repeat that quote, but miss the next part of it. But like mm. seed, it has to be found and planted and nurtured and grown and harvested. Mm. And that's a process. Now, I'm not going to have this bad thing, whatever I've defined as bad, in my yeah. life and not get the good from it. Yeah. One of the men I knew years ago, he's passed away now, but... He was beginning to study this with me, and he had a business that he was growing. It was one of those early binaural beat meditation businesses, and he was growing that business with a business partner, and then somebody else said they had that same technology and sued him for a million dollars, and the partner said, I'm out of here. I'm not going to invest more money to fight his... He just, I'm yeah, out of I'm here. Done. Just yeah. release me. I'm not taking the risk. Sure. And so his name was Bill Harris. Bill writes... Here's his desk up against a wall, and he feels like he's facing a wall, and he writes, every adversity has within it the seed of an equal benefit. So is what possible good there is in this? And he spent three days just on that, focusing. Mm. And it was you know little things at first, and then it was, well, somebody thinks this business is worth a million dollars. What if it is worth at least a million? You know, they, were, they, had, they were just bootstrapping. Yeah. And I'll get to know the law better. I mean, it was just all anything that was the possible good in it. Yeah. Interestingly, what happened when he was focusing on possible good? He had different ideas. It changed him. It didn't change anything in the facts that he was being sued, but it changed him by putting his focus on what possible good there could be. And within six weeks, it had just dissolved. His energy was at a completely different place. And whatever occurred in the, yes, he got an attorney, but there was not this big resistance. It's if this is just a process of me claiming greater good in my life. Yeah. And it went on and became a multi, multi, multi multi-million dollar business. Business. Wow. Wow. Yeah, right. That's It's that an event is neither bad nor good. It just is. And we label it. And the label that we give it determines how we feel about it and what we do about it, right? But choosing that empowering meaning, that silver lining, if you will. Well, you know, you are known for your work with dream building. And this is the Achieve Your Goals podcast. And often goals and dreams are kind of a synonym, right? Achieving a goal, realizing a dream, that sort of thing. So what does that mean, dream building? I don't don't believe they're exactly the same. Oh, I love this. Let's go. (laughs) So... By definition, a dream is something you have no idea how to achieve. Mm. You can have goals, and you can even have worthy goals. Mm -hmm. Pretty much you know what to do, you just haven't done it. Okay. And so you align the goal with your activities, and you begin to generate results. By definition, a dream is something you really would love, 
but you have zero idea, the love of your life or healing from a, although you have a very clear plan for people to use to transform what's going on inside themselves so they can have an alignment with an outcome with a health issue. But most people don't have access to that. Mm-hmm. So it's a dream to ha- to be free of lupus or mm-hmm. to be, you know, or some other autoimmune that plagues people and can for decades to build a work in the world that has impact, meaning, and purpose when you're stuck doing a job just for cash to pay yeah. your bills or to have time and money freedom while you have the health and, and aliveness to enjoy it or to contribute in ways that really matter to you. So when you create and you have four areas of life where you're having results anyway, every all of us right now, if we pause, you have results in four areas of life. You have health results right now. You have relationship results right now. Mm-hmm. You're the person who longs to have the love of your life. And then you look at how long it's been there. That's my that's my relationship result right now. Or I have a marriage that's gotten a little bit on cruise control. But what I would love is to reignite that. You look at your results. Both health, relationships, vocation, whether you're an income doing it or not, vocation, your vocari is what you do with your time and talent how fulfilling it is, how impactful it seems, how life-giving it is or not, you have results in your vocation. And you have results right now you can measure in how much time and money freedom you have, how constricted you are at the end of the month, how we look at your calendar. Uh, Is it a calendar you're absolutely in love with? Do you have time freedom? Because spirit in us We're not breathing ourselves. We didn't create ourselves. We can't even make our heart beat one time. You've used the word God several times today, Mm -hmm. Hal. So you're referenced to a stream of life that pours into and through you that shapes itself in the forms of what you give it to be with your thoughts and your feelings. So a dream then is you dream, if I ask this question, first of all, the power breathing us, our soul, from a universal soul or how, wherever it all comes from, life itself. Yeah. It's, life itself is ever seeking a freer, fuller, expanded version of itself by means of itself. It's pressing through a blade of grass today to be more of itself. It's pressing through the edges of a tree to be more of itself. And that same life energy is moving into and through us, seeking to express more life. The difference between a blade of grass, a tree, and you and me is a blade of grass has no will to stop that. Mm. Humans can say yes or no. And when we thwart life, it doesn't stop flowing. It just creates signs and signals of unlived life, which we call problems, difficulties, challenges, versus shaping a vision. So you notice that sends two signals to you. That life in you, it sends signals, uh, how, it, how it is identified in the human is longing and discontent. I just wish it if I could send my kids to any college they want to go to. I'm so tired of struggling at the end of the month. Mm. I'm tired. Of, I just, oh, I would love to crawl, you know, be walking on the beach, holding hands with the love of my life. I'm, t- I'm frustrated with, again, crawling into bed at night or feeling jealous when I'm at the grocery store and I'm buying for one and they're buying for two or, or, or. Yeah. So the you shape it into a vision that you have no idea. Most people will only allow themselves to have goals if they know how to do. By definition, a dream, you have no idea how. Mm. 
but you know that the infinite, the infinite intelligence does know how. But once you set a possibility, the how downloads in the same way you're, you're speaking downloads. Because mm. you're very clear, you have a very clear, obviously, purity of purpose. God, what do these people need to hear? Not what does make me look good. Yeah. What, what do they need to hear? How can I help them? Give me that. And I'll speak to that and from that. And even you at times want to take notes because it's it's a stream of knowing that's beyond your personal knowing. Yeah. And it's coming into and through you in the same way happens. It downloads you step by step to you, step by step. Once you're coming from the vision, even Henry David Thoreau, who did an experiment with life, a two-year, two-month, and two-day experiment after all his studies with Everson in transcendentalism, that there's a part of us that transcends our circumstances. And we can learn to draw from that and shape from that. Results that absolutely are what we would love. So dream building. A lot of people dream. But my focus for the last 50 years of study and 40 years of teaching is what's the art and science of dream building? And that's what my work is all about. So then I'd imagine that a lot of people listening to this might be thinking, well, what if I don't know exactly what my dream is? You know, so where does somebody start? How, what can we do to get clear you start on the vision? With what you know for sure. You start with what you know for sure. Most people would know that if you think of a vision three years from now, I'm not a believer in setting a one-year dream. Okay. I'm a believer in setting a three-year dream because once you start thinking one year, your subconscious is going, well, it knows everything you've produced in a year. Yeah. It's going to create more constricted vision. And yet your subconscious isn't quite sure just in fact what you might produce in three years. Then you can narrow the time down once you get in harmony with it. It doesn't have to take three years, but you start there. So what do you know for sure? You know for sure you want great health. No matter what the conditions are, your vision isn't. And this is an important thing. It's your vision has no reference to what you don't want and only has reference to what you do want. So it's not like I no longer have, have pain in my hips or I no longer have lupus or I know. No, it's I'm dynamically healthy. I have vibrancy. I have stamina, strength. I sleep well. I wake rested. You design a health vision. And you design what you would really love. You're standing in the result of your life. It's three years from now. And you're speaking from it first in your mind, then in your writing, and then in your words, this as you're describing this life so that you could come up to somebody or I could come up to somebody and say, it's 2025. Uh, it's January. Let's move ourselves to next month. It's January. And maybe it won't be next month. Maybe it'll be the month when you're broadcasting yeah. Yeah. It's 2025. No. Tell me about your life. And you, you are so connected to it that you can describe it as a living reality. Mm. And that's a dream. And then the physics of that are the art and science of how that gets downloaded to you. And you can't just sit and think about it. But the dream is the seed that we have to plant, right? And it can't grow yeah, if we don't plant it. Yeah. And just like an acorn has an entelechy to it. Every acorn could become an oak tree, but not everyone will. Because mm. some will be on sidewalks or in uh, uh, playgrounds that are paved. So it, it has to have conducive environments. That's what, in essence, your podcast is one of those conducive environments. It keeps nurturing awareness. It keeps nurturing, oh, I could do that. I could think, even little shifts 
You go down life's highway, you make a one degree shift. Six months, you're in a whole new place. I love what you're talking about. There's it, it really is simple. I mean, you're, t- you're covering a lot, but it really, it, it really does boil down to thoughts. Like that is where everything begins, right? With our thoughts. Everything's created twice. Everything's created twice. Once in our thoughts, once in reality. You know, I was reading, I'm rereading a book right now, Living Untethered, Michael Singer's new book. Have you read that one yet? I have. And he talks about I, the chapter that I was rereading last night. He talks about the human brain. And he says the human brain is, you know, it is a miraculous, limitless thing. He said Einstein, you know, used his human brain to study the theory of relativity and all of these things. And and Edison used his human brain to figure out how to create light bulb. And then he says, what are you using your human brain for? Are you using it to watch Netflix every night? Right? Like we all have the human brain. And he's like, you have to understand that it is subjectively capable of anything, but that's only based on what you use it for. And so I love what you're talking about, which is like, you know, if yeah, if you use it to dream and then you align your thoughts with what you need to do, the behaviors that will move you in the direction of that dream, I think that your success is inevitable. Only it's a matter of time. And sometimes it takes... You know, I'm sure you've experienced that, right? Sometimes you think something you can get it done in the in three years and it takes five, or you know, the whole 10 years being overnight success. One question I really want to close with, because I think you've given us so much today. In with all the people you've worked with over four decades now, what do you see that holds people back the most? You've given all this brilliant wisdom, but what holds people back the most? Well, one of the things for sure is they they don't believe it's possible for them. Mm. There's this fundamental flawed it's really in the human side of our nature that there's something wrong with me i don't have what it takes it's it's a belief in that yeah is it's just a change in belief and that's why having listening to other people who remind you that you are more than you appear you actually contain far much more than you know yeah and then how to generate with that and shifting belief in yourself and for the possibility in your life it happens when you said, you know, so when you said, what can change all that? And I said, I, I believe it's study. Mm. You stay close to these teachings, stay close to this, this podcast, and you keep yourself in a trend of new thinking and the feelings follow. Feelings are the reflection of the state of mind you're in. They're mm. not generative, they're reflections. But if I'm feeling anxious, I've been thinking a thought of fear. Mm. Those two things go together. So that's why your affirmations are so powerful, because they do change the vibration in you, which we call feeling. Our feelings are our conscious awareness of the vibration we're in. Beautiful. And the vibration we're in dictates the results we're going to have. And you said something earlier that so resonates with me, which is that sometimes you have to believe in the belief that someone else has in you until your belief catches up. You know, right. And for me, it was a mentor. He believed that I could do something that had never been done before, break this all-time record in my company that I was working for. I didn't believe it. I, you know, I had no evidence of it, right? I had never done what I was trying to do, but I borrowed his belief. And I think to your point, every time I read a book, you know, I study something from someone like yourself or a Wayne Dyer or a Zig Ziglar. It's like, oh, they believe it's possible because they have not only done it themselves, 
They have taught it to countless people and they've seen that if those people follow what is proven to work, they get the same results. So I hope that people will take this episode, re-listen to it, take your wisdom and apply it. And if you're listening to this right now, realize that anything another human being has done is evidence of what's possible for you. And if you don't believe it yourself right now, if you're struggling with that self-belief, borrow the belief from Mary Morrissey, who over the last four decades has helped and seen countless people, millions of people, to tap into the untapped belief to create their dreams, live the life that you love. Mary, you are a gem. Thank you so much for all that you've done for so many people and that you've done today for, for me and for our audience. Thank you. And you too, Hal. You're a gem. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I appreciate that. Well, Goal Achievers, members of the Miracle Morning community, I love you. You know I love you. And I hope this was as insightful and inspiring of a conversation for you as it was for me. Check out Mary Morrissey's work. Mary, what's the best place to find you? Well, I think we have a gift. Didn't we have a gift? Oh, yes. Or... Oh, thank you so much. I almost forgot. <laughs> I'm looking here. A building the vision of your dreams meditation. Yeah. And building the vision of your dreams meditation. And That's where can people find it, that? I, I designed it for exactly this moment. So it's go to BTI, which is Brave Thinking Institute, but BTI.com forward slash Hal Elrod. Forward slash Hal. Hal Elrod? Hal Elrod. Yeah. So BTI for Brave Thinking Institute, BTI.com forward slash Hal Elrod, and you will get Mary's meditation. What's it called again? It's a building the vision of your dreams. Building the vision of your dreams meditation. And that way you can take the work that the, what Mary shared with you today and then really integrate it into your life. Listen to that meditation during your miracle morning and come back and leave me a comment and let me know how it impacts you. All right, Goal Achievers. Again, members of the Miracle Morning community, I love you. Mary, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, I will talk to y'all next week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 